love the way your sandy hair blows in the air. To me, it's like a lullaby. I'm just flying by, oh so high, like a kite tying to a stake. I want that. Dang it. Deploying, give me some of your toss. Your mom goes to college. Psychologically tall. I'm talking about ethics. You you patented it and packaged it and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox and now sell it. You're gonna sell it. Well, shame. <laughs> I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. They'll soon be back and in greater numbers. Any friend of Olive's is a friend of our daughter. I am really close on this one. Really, really close. Let's watch my favorite part again, shall we? Hello, I'm Daniel. And I'm Amanda. And this is Scenes from a Marriage, a movie podcast in which we, as a married couple, watch movies and talk about them. Talk about them. Give our unique perspectives. Unique New York. The Human Torch was denied a bank loan. How now, brown cow? This is our 10th episode. Thanks for sticking with us. First podcast of 2021. Oh, yeah. Happy New Year. Let's hope that it's better than the last one. Yeah. We've now officially left 2020 in the dust. And so the cursed year is behind us. The new year is here. And that means that all corruption has been erased. <laughs> I didn't know if you wanted me. All anxiety oh. has been crushed. All injustice rectified, put aside, inequality, the problems of the world have vanished with the outgoing month. And now all that's left to do is talk about some movies and watch some movies. Watch some movies. So all the new movies that are coming out this year. Just kidding. <laughs> all, the, all the new movies that are coming to HBO Max. Mm, mm-hmm. So everyone just Netflix get, originals. That's all we're going to watch next year. You know, honestly, I've watched a lot of them now. It's tricky, and we'll, we're gonna. That's just a little bit of a, a different episode for us. Uh, kind of a kind of a double episode, if you will. We're gonna hit our the second half of the see uh, the series that we started with the Big Lebowski, and we're going to do. We're gonna talk about Napoleon Dynamite this week, the second uh, comedy that we didn't like the first time. We're also going to look back on said crazy year, which mm-hmm. everyone's probably tired of talking about at this point. But it was not only an unusual year for everything else, but also an unusual year for movies. And so we're going to talk about uh, some of our favorite things that we saw for the first time in 2020. Maybe give our lists of Mm -hmm. our our favorites. Yep. (laughs) I mean, I'm excited. Well, uh, we so we've we've made lists and we have not told each other what is on them. So we'll be revealing them. Uh, as we go in, in real time here. So, so I'm excited to see what your selections are going to be. And uh, maybe you'll have some things to recommend to people that they could check out since we're all stuck inside watching TV. Yeah, we're all, all medicating ourselves from our oh, couches. <laughs> exactly. So that'll be after the review. We will uh, we will get into some uh, some retrospective for the year. But for now, we are talking about Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> 
How was school? Worst day of my life. What do you think? Well, I want you to go see if Tina wants some of this. Kip hasn't done flipping anything today. Look, tonight me and your... Kip, listen! What? Tonight me and your aunt are going to go visit some friends, and we're not going to be back till tomorrow. We're getting a little low on steak, so I got Lyle coming over tomorrow to take care of it. Well, what's there to eat? Knock it off, Napoleon. Make yourself a dang quesadilla. Fine. I'll be back tomorrow. Stay home and eat all the freaking chips, Kip. Napoleon, don't be jealous that I've been chatting online with babes all day. Besides, we both know I'm training to become a cage fighter. Since when, Kip? You have the worst reflexes of all time. Try and hit me, Napoleon. What? I said come down here and see what happens if you try and hit me. Such an idiot. Let me see what your best move is. I'll go get it. Jeez. Your pick, Amanda. Oh, my pick, For yes. our mm-hmm. comedy that we d- didn't appreciate the first time through. So the cult hit Napoleon Dynamite released in 2004. Now, I think most people our age have seen this movie. Probably, I would hope so. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of crazy when you Class. consider that it was a Sundance movie. It was made for $400,000 and made as so much great art tends to be by a college dropout, leveraging all of his friends, calling in all of his favors. The director is Jared Hess, who would also go on to make Nacho Libre. I wrote this film with his wife, Jerusha Hess. And uh, the Hesses and John Heater, who stars as Napoleon, also went to uh, Brigham Young University. So they met there. So it's kind of a Mormon movie, basically. Oh, no. They're all BYU. How would you compare the cost of this movie to another movie? Like, what is $400,000 in comparison to a good movie? I mean, Napoleon's Napoleon's good, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Well, I mean, this would be considered micro budget, really extremely low budget. Oh, okay. Like, most low budget movies are somewhere between $500,000 and like maybe $3 billion. Oh, wow. And a a mid budget movie might be somewhere between $10 million and like $60 million. A big budget movie like a Marvel movie or a Pixar movie costs probably these days over $100 million, maybe $150 million. Oh, wow. Just checking. Okay. So really low budget and uh, but became a huge hit and ended up grossing $44 million at the box office. Wow. And spawned a lot of catchphrases into popular culture. So many quotes. <laughs> the most famous probably being vote for Pedro. Oh, but okay. I didn't know that. That's the one that kind of made it on all the shirts. You know, that's the one that everybody was... Speaking of shirts, uh, Denise made a shirt that said vote for Pedro. I think she has one still. Like the iron-on shirts. Did she? She did. Denise being your mom, Oh, Denise is my mom. Denise is (laughs) my mother. Sorry. (laughs) This random woman named Denise. Just kidding. Denise from Hot Rod made that. (laughs) The film is set in Idaho, and I... Can't off the top of my head name another movie that is. It's like the forgotten son of the the U.S. Um, and it follows a cast of nerdy misfits through what is really a little more than just a series of sketches about their lives. The cast also includes J. 
John Grice as Rico, Napoleon's uncle who is stuck in the past reliving his glory days on the high school football team. Aaron Rule as Kip, Napoleon's older brother? I think older brother. I think so. Yeah, yeah. He spends most of his time chatting online with babes. With babes. Tina Majorino plays Deb, the shy but principled girl next door who runs a business doing glamour shots. Uh, Efren Ramirez as Pedro, Napoleon's best friend who runs for class president against Summer Wheatley, and that's Haley Duff. Which is Hillary Duff's sister. That's right. Yes. Sister of the the more famous uh, Disney Channel star. Or was it Nick? Who if she, Was she a Disney Channel kid? She's, yeah, she's Hillary Liz, Lizzie McGuire. Okay, yeah, yeah. Come on, babe. <laughs> hey, this is that's your department. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is my I defer to you to all things Duff. Hey now, hey now. <laughs> that was for Tara. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be a scenes from marriage episode if one of us didn't sing. That's true. So, uh, kind of a local movie made by and for the nerds that could only really have been conceived by someone who knew characters just like this or who is them in some respect right wow like, that's it feels like awkward. somebody's exaggeration of their small town yearbook like they're mm-hmm. flipping through the pages and they remembered stories about everyone and they're telling you you know oh this is the guy that used to you know do this or say this oh right? we did that the other day looking through mine and eric's yearbook i won't mention any names as yeah, classified <laughs> but uh so that, that's kind of what it seems like to me uh, hess and his co-creators have evoked this very unique texture that I don't think could have been invented just by a screenwriter trying to come up with something off the top of their head because it's so personal. And so because of that, it has, there's a real fondness and compassion for these characters. Like we're supposed to laugh at them when La Napoleon fondness. says ridiculous things like that, you know, he took him three hours to finish the shading on her upper, on her lip. upper lip. Yeah. But we're also supposed to have sympathy for these folks. Mm. So it's, there's a, a really deadpan style. It's very quirky. It's very understated. But it allows a real emotion to bubble up by the end, getting us to root for the underdogs to score some modest personal victories. Now, Amanda, you picked this as our pairing with The Big Lebowski, as I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. uh, a comedy that you didn't get or maybe just didn't appreciate the first time. What was your initial experience like with the film? So I remember watching this film with my friend Rachel at her house. I think we were like sitting on their bunk beds. And after watching it, we were, I think we were in like seventh or eighth grade. We just looked at each other and we were like, what was that? Mm-hmm. So I think I thought it was a, a joke. I, I mean, I, I didn't know what to think of it. I mean, it's a comedy. I mean, it, but it, it was so strange. Like there's nothing else that I could have compared it to at the time. And I don't even know why we decided to watch it, but yeah, it was, that's what it was like. But then we watched Surely it. Surely somebody told you about it. I, I don't know. I just, maybe she heard about it from somebody, but we just were like, let's try it. And then we watched it a second time and. You watched it on DVD or. I feel like it was DVD. I'm yeah. just curious because. It had to be DVD. So like I said, a 2004 release. And I feel like a lot of people were maybe buzzing about it in terms of. Because it came out in the theater, so I didn't know if you saw it. We watched. There. I think it was a DVD, but we watched it on like the what was it like, um, like PlayStation or Xbox. You know how people put their little discs in the. Yeah, I mean, like the PlayStation was all also had a DVD player. Yeah, that's that's what it was. So it had to be that. Um, but I remember mom watching it and Eric 
and we would quote that maybe like quote the crap out of that maybe so many quotes that we would say yeah i don't want to get to that did, <laughs> so, so did you did you then take it, watch it separately with your family after you watched it with your friend rachel i yeah yeah i think i did and we we loved it because it was just weird and funny and just strange <laughs> So after not knowing what to make of it the first time, what got you to watch it again? Did, just because your family was watching it? or I think I wanted them to watch it because I was like, this movie is crazy in like the most boring and strange way. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. I can definitely see why someone would think that it was boring. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's a little slow or mm-hmm. very least. But the characters are slow. <laughs> well, yeah, they, that's just it. Sound, yeah. They're always, well, I was just watching, you know, a clip. Because I was looking, I was trying to find a, a trailer. I don't even know if we'll end up having a, a trailer sound clip because I couldn't find a really good quality version of one. Uh, but I was just watching a clip of the scene where Napoleon and Pedro are talking at uh, lunch, and now he's talking about his tots. And there's just these pauses in between the you know, where one character answers and before the other responds, mm-hmm. and you know they kind of have these looks like they're just far away, like they're. Like, you know, barely awake. Or barely, or not even, I don't even think Napoleon really looks at anybody in their eye. Like, when he's talking to them, he's always looking away or at the ground. He's got these giant glasses and he just squints behind them so that all his eyes disappear underneath those frames. Was that a good impression? Did I do a good job? (laughs) (laughs) I was just starting college uh, this year, or excuse me, not this year. You (laughs) You started college this year and you didn't tell me. The hearing question, (laughs) twenty. Oh, four. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was going around like people were, were quoting the movie and talking about it. And in the like food hall, people would, you know, taking tater tots and. No, are you putting, serious? Well, they put it in their pockets. I mean, I did. You put it in your cargo pants. Did you I admit to pants? I admit to being uncool both now and then. But uh, I did have some some khaki cargo pants and maybe at one point put some tots in there. Without putting them in a bag. Who has bags? Did you eat? Did you eat them afterwards? Surely. <laughs> that mean, was such a cringy part. I couldn't. And then couldn't, couldn't. the sound effects of it crinkling. But I think initially I was kind of put off by everyone's fervor about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people going around quoting Voper Pedro and saying all this stuff and talking about nunchuck skills. And I'm like, what? what is, mm-hmm. what is this? Y'all are being dumb. And... So, but then when I finally watched the movie, I realized that it it was pretty funny. It's like the equivalent of everyone talking about Frozen and then you watch Frozen and then you love it. Potentially. (laughs) That was me. Actually, I think that nobody had been talking about it before us. I feel like um, my friends and I were the ones that maybe discovered it first, maybe out of our little crowd. but Yeah, maybe for your corner of the world, you were the ones that introduced them. So we were like, oh, what is this this gem? <laughs> but that's the way it happens, right? If you, especially if you find something, even if it's not good per se, if it's just really interesting or you, know, you, you feel like other people need to experience it too so that they have the same experience and understand it. Mm-hmm. It's time for our segment. Amanda explains the plot. Please do your best to explain to our listeners <laughs> what happens in this movie. Okay, so this movie is about a boy named Napoleon. It's basically just about his daily life as a teenager. He's a teenager, right? He's he goes in high to high school. school. So he's I in would, high school. Yeah. yeah. And 
just his daily. His mom goes to college. Your mom goes to college. He, <laughs> his nice. daily struggle in, uh, in a small town that doesn't know anything about fashion or anything really. Um, AKA Uncle Rico selling Tupperware to people. Anyway, um, so his grandma breaks her coccyx. Coccyx. I can't say that. <laughs> coccyx. Anyway, she uh, so she's unable to be there with Kip and Napoleon and take care of them um, as she had been doing. And Kip and Napoleon have to survive on their own and they get into some silly things like Taekwondo and not really and online chatting with babes, a.k.a. Kip. And Napoleon makes a new friend, and the movie is about them trying to get people to vote for him for president because... For who? For Pedro. Sorry, for Pedro. And, you know, they're they're the nerds, and there's popular people like Summer and her boyfriend, and it's just a slow, small town. And, I mean, the same things happen there, like in... Other places, there's the bullies and the nerds just trying to get by. And then in the end, I mean, it's all about, will Pedro win president of his school? And I don't know. You'll find out if you haven't seen the movie. There it is. Thanks. That was a good observation in there that this town doesn't care about fashion. Mm -mm. It sounds like a detail. And maybe it is, but side ponies, scrunchies. Um, what is it? What is it called? Dongle, t- keychains. What are they called? I, I don't know. You you know the the um the ones that Deb is selling. She has a bunch. Oh of them. yeah yeah yeah. Were they or Boondoggle Boondoggle keychains? Did you ever make one? That like sounds summer? like Moonman talk. No, I don't know. At that summer is. camp, you know the plastic strings, and it it's like a cylinder. You've never made a boondoggle keychain? Maybe. If I have, I don't think anyone ever told what? me it was called a boondoggle. Okay. Well, anyway, those keychains, she was selling them. The glamour shots. Yeah. There's the puffy sleeves. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> some of this, really, I, again, I think just, just from the little bit of reading that I did uh, before this really came out of Jared Hess's uh, experiences, like people that he knew or his wife knew or like just like the you know, parts of maybe exaggerated parts of themselves or their friends that, uh, but like even the, even the, the quote unquote cool kids, the, the jocks and the cheerleaders aren't really cool. They're not like they're kind of just as square (laughs) as everybody else, but I'm just like a different, if you put any of these kids in like a California high school, they would all be outcasts. (laughs) They would, they would all be. And Summer's boyfriend, I don't remember his name, but all of his facial expressions, they're just and especially during the dance scene at the end, hilarious. Anyway, well, it's just funny that there's, I don't, I mean, this in the nicest way possible, but a knockoff Hillary Duff, and that she's like <laughs> the hottest girl in school, you know? Yes. Uh, what's her name? Haley. Poor Haley. <laughs> no, no offense, Haley. <laughs> I'm acting like she's actually going to listen to this podcast. No, no, it's such a joke. Okay. Um, but. You know, there was so much made of the vote for Pedro, and I don't think it's giving anything away to say that there's a famous dance sequence 
near the end of the film. Oh, that was the best part. I was going to say, what what's your favorite scene out of the whole movie? That kind of is, if there's if there's anything close to a climactic scene of the movie, that is the is the sequence. And even that, again, hilariously, that there it somehow makes sense for the for the the kid running for like class president or what is it is it class president yeah i think it's class president Mm -hmm. uh to have to do a skit and like that somehow establishes (laughs) their credibility as a class president but um but like so a lot of this stuff i think a lot of the materials of promoting around the movie revolved around the whole vote for pedro thing Mm -hmm. but when you're watching it again it i've seen it quite a few times so i'm very familiar with it at this point but we watched we watched it i don't know i guess few weeks ago now mm-hmm. um and i kind of forgot that that was even going to happen because so much of the movie up until really maybe about the i think two-thirds of the way through doesn't have anything to do with that yeah it's just establishing the characters and having them go through individual little episodes mm-hmm. i mean in a lot in the beginning it's kind of about like him and deb or like him well not really in the beginning it's kind of kip's thing being a little weird and then Deb shows up and then you can tell that Napoleon's a little bit into Deb, but it's not even really based around that either. It's all, it's all just like really random day to day events. Mm -hmm. Just awkwardness. All of it. Awkward. And I will say I generally am not a fan of awkward humor. Like I'm not a fan of, shows and films or what maybe what now you would call cringe humor where the point is to put someone in an awkward situation and then just let them stew in it like that uh that to me is usually not funny i, I don't particularly like it so i, I wouldn't when i'm saying awkward i don't necessarily mean that like, but like cringy but not so much to me i don't feel like this is cringe humor well i was gonna say what what parts in the movie made you feel Awkward, because there are lots of awkward. Well, the most awkward moment, I don't necessarily want to give away because it comes near the end of the movie. Again, I'm assuming probably most people listening to this will have seen it. Uh, But there is a moment where Uncle Rico decides that his new money-making scheme involves a certain product that he tries to hawk to Deb and that she's... (laughs) Very offended and rightly so. Yeah, very much that. But also the part when Napoleon draws that picture of Trish, Trisha for her. That for me, I was like, I just, I feel bad for the whole situation. There, a lot of, there's a lot of those in there. I mean, there's a lot of things that, I mean, obviously a lot of what Napoleon and Pedro and Deb do is awkward. The way, especially the way Napoleon will just suddenly break into a run from like a standstill. Yeah. And it's really, it, it looks like he's an ostrich or something. Like his hands are down at his sides. He is an ostrich. But that's heightened enough that I don't believe it as a real world thing. And so I, it doesn't get me the same way. Mm-hmm. Now, again, are there kids in middle school and high school that do stuff like that and are just absolutely that awkward? Yes. Doesn't, I mean, you probably knew some of them. I'm sure I did. But yeah, it, it's it's not like... I don't know. It's not like the office style cringe or like the early seasons of it's always sunny or like one of these mumble core movies. I don't know. It's just like crickets. Crickets. Yeah. Just like the quiet scenes that it's like 
you don't you don't know how to respond to them. So you just sit and watch it and you're just like, what did I see? Exactly my reaction. But it's observed behavior. The very first scene, if I remember correctly, Napoleon's on the school bus. He looks like he's 12 years older than the other kid that's sitting next to him. Mm-hmm. And kid asks him, what are you going to do today, Napoleon? And he's like, whatever I feel like I want to do, gosh. <laughs> and then what he feels like he wants to do is tie a string around an action figure and dangle it out the, out the window of the bus and just let it go. Now, that, there's something so simple about that. But it's like, okay, that's what you want to do today. But again, I, somebody saw somebody do that on the bus and just said, this is a piece of life in this town. This is a part of what makes these characters who they are. And it's all, it's all united by this sense of place, you know? Yeah. Because there's, I mean, there's not much going on in town. So I would imagine throwing an action figure out the window is pretty exciting. Or just like, I don't know. The way Pedro's old are they are they his, his cousins? Or, I think or, it's his cousin. <laughs> they just ride around in in this so uh, convertible and uh, like everything's so far apart, like it's in the desert. But yeah, at the same time, they all seem like they're kind of close together too. Like everybody's constantly being in the same place. Somehow. Yeah, because I don't even know where Deb lived, but because she's that payphone that one time, and I was just like, where does she even live anyway? Sorry, you had a question for me, and I was I was dodging it, trying to talk about some of the some of the going into some of the things we just talked about. I mean, I probably was going to ask you what your favorite scene was in the movie. Oh, right, because we were talking about the dance scene, and you were going to ask me about my favorite scene. That's a good question, and it's hard to initially. Hmm, I want to stew on it a little bit. Okay, well, I have another question for but, you. What's yours? Um, my favorite scene is the dance scene is because I, I love watching people dance, but I just think it's so funny that (laughs) this nerdy kid, and I mean, also the scenes, um, showing that he was practicing that because I mean, it was more believable because he was, he just found that tape and watched the video and was like pure sweating every time. And LaFonda was like, also Actually, I maybe have more than one favorite one, um, but him doing the dance because it was pretty impressive, and that song was very catchy, and I love that everybody loved his dance. Uh, but my other favorite is when LaFonda steps down off of the bus in that whole Kippen LaFonda montage. Love it. The footsies. I really, I do like that. I, it, it's it's sort of wholesome. Yeah. Their relationship. And when like she and like no words exchanged through the montage, just like her getting him clothes and him looking like, you know, he's got ice on his neck and everything. And she's just, I don't know, like proud of what she's done. It was, I just love it. She's proud of her man. She is. She dressed her man. She's proud of her man's. But yeah, the dance scene. It's so much constructed out of like vignettes that. I almost can't think of like a single, like a particular scene. Uh, the one that, the one vignette that strikes me in my memory is the one where he goes to, he works in for the farmers with the chickens. Oh no, that one. Wow. Do the chickens have large talons? Do the chickens have large talons? But I don't know if that's my favorite. I think it's just one that stands out as a particular scene because all the other stuff with like Kip and Rico, like it all just mm-hmm. kind of, 
it's just in little little snippets. And then there's this uh, there's this sub story of like the Rex Quando mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. That's an, an uncomfortable thing when when Rico starts deciding that. that he is going to sell things by hitting on people, yeah, on the, the housewives and stuff. Mm. But I I really do like his character and the through line of you know him just feeling like he's missed out on his one chance and just obsessing. You like Rico's character? I do. I don't. I, he was, he's annoying to me. I mean, I I think it's, I think it's sad that he lives in the past, but he is an interesting character, but he, I can't, I can't with him. Well, I know. And you're you're supposed to feel that way. Yeah. Kip and Napoleon feel that way. They both hate him and want him Mm -hmm. out because he's like, you're ruining our lives. Mm -hmm. But I think the way that that's conceived and and played is pretty successful. Like I think it's funny, mm-hmm. and I and like a little bit sad. <laughs> sad, and he's always throwing that football. But that's in. that's the that's the whole thing, right? It's mm-hmm. it's the everybody is mostly funny and a little bit sad. Mm-hmm. It's realistic. <laughs> he's like, this is the worst video of all time. It's like, how could you possibly know that? <laughs> <laughs> I. Kip is probably my favorite character just because his voice and everything he does is just in his little one-liners. Like when Deb comes to the door and he's like, your mom goes to college. And then he goes, (laughs) 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 actually I had, um, you know, when you, when you play sports and you have like a, I don't know if you did, but you, I mean, I know you played, well, you played soccer maybe. Yes, I did. But um, I ran track and we got to put like our nicknames on the back of our shirts. And Rachel had Summer on the back of hers and I had Kip on the back of mine. I don't know why, but. Why were you, what was that your nickname? Did anyone call you that? No, I don't know. Well, because, wait, yeah, it it was middle school and we watched it because we became obsessed with the movie. And I, I mean, I liked it that much that I put Kip on the back of my shirt, so. I just think it's funny looking back now. I wonder if I still have that t-shirt. I don't know. I probably do. Well, apparently my nickname in high school was 15. What's that? I was on the back of my soccer jersey. Oh, okay. Ha, ha, ha. If you could choose another song for Napoleon to dance to at the end, what would you choose? Actually, what song would you dance to if you had to be Napoleon at the end to wow the, the class? Well, first of all, I don't think I would have it. I don't have it in me to do what Napoleon did. I mean, if you practice and sweat it a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it would have to be uh, one of the songs that we would rave to in the dorms at Liberty. So I'd probably have to choose "What Is Love" by. Halloween. Oh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Okay. Yeah. Why? What's yours? Oh, I didn't even think of an answer. I just thought of the question for you. Um, I, I don't have an answer right now. No, you got me. This is the same year as Mean Girls. And it's so interesting to me that in both, you have an almost identical scene of the plastics versus Mm. Summer's troop in Mm -hmm. this doing the kind of like. They did an NSYNC song, didn't they? Oh, that. Oh, you're talking about Mean Girls. That again is your department. 
Yeah. In sync. And then <laughs> But it being the, the dance the at the Santa. at the school, you know, as a as a troop that like gets mm-hmm. and everybody's like, Oh, we you know, we like them because they're popular and attractive. Mm-hmm. And then the cutaways to Summer's boyfriend when he's in the in the crowd. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> That's so way good. too into it. <laughs> oh goodness. Um, my song would be Purple Hat. Bye. I can't you know that one song? That I listen to and I play every now and then. Is it the one about to people? get on your nerves? Yeah. Is it the call? It's called per, pe, It's called Purple Hat. I think so. Not People Hat. I, I no. We'll just say it's Purple Hat. Okay. All Look right. it up. I can. I can already imagine your dance to I'm, that. You can't. <laughs> I can't. I'm imagining it right now. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Not good. So it's a little bit hard to talk about this movie in some ways because. I think on some front, it simply, quote unquote, is what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if there's a lot of deeper meaning to it. I don't think. Do you think there's a moral? Like, is the movie about something? Does it have a message? Or I is mean, it just all there on the surface? I think I, I think it's like if you try, if you try hard enough and if you just be who you are, then you can be class president. <laughs> That's what it is. Just kidding. No, but I mean, Summer didn't win and she was trying to do all the things and they were just being real. Napoleon and Pedro. And look, they were able to do what they wanted. And and eventually just play a game of tetherball yeah. without being harassed. Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't care about what people thought of them. It wasn't about them trying to change who they were so that people would like them. They just kept, they kept being them. That's what I'm going to say the moral is. Yeah, I mean, something of an outcast alliance, especially when you consider the fact that at the end, well, here, I think we're going to, this is probably going to be one of our shorter reviews, but we'll get into spoilers uh, briefly for the the end of the movie. Uh, So again, if you haven't watched Napoleon Dynamite, go check it out. It is available to stream on Stars, and you can rent it digitally. Also, it's on DVD and Blu-ray. Super easy to find. Just ask your friends. I'm sure they have it. That's right. Somebody's got it on DVD. But at the very end of the movie, actually, after the credits. Oh, yeah. Or mid-credits, perhaps. I can't Mm -hmm. remember. uh, Kip and LaFonda get married. Mm -hmm. And that's a joyous affair. They ride off on a horse into the sunset Mm -hmm. also another reason why i think uh, i like rico's inclusion Mm -hmm. is that near the end of the movie he also gets back with his his, ex-wife or girlfriend or whatever yeah Mm -hmm. and he's been too preoccupied with trying to salvage his image and create some sort of idea of success for himself Right, that he hasn't been able to, like, be uh, a person who could be like in a relationship with somebody mm-hmm. is the way is my take on it. Maybe that's reading too much into it, but and yeah, then probably. so I don't know. I think there's something about, like you say, accepting who you are and being a true friend. Yeah, I mean, Deb, Pedro, and Napoleon were the three amigos, if you will. I was trying to think if there was something at all profound that I could take out of like Kip and uh, LaFonda's uh, relationship, but nah. maybe not. Maybe it's just about you can't judge a book by its cover. Mm. I don't know. 
yeah, I mean, online dating works. <laughs> <laughs> what a what better 2020 message. Yeah, online dating. That's true. Online dating. Can't see anyone in person. LaFonda and Kit. It's a true relationship. Amanda, what would you give Napoleon Dynamite out of five tater tots? You mean like the character? How many tots would I just give to him? I'm kidding. <laughs> How many would you eat out of his cargo pocket? Hey, that's not fair. <laughs> um, can I give a half? Am I allowed to give half a tot? Not that's not the actual number. Okay, I'm gonna say two and a half tots. Two and a half tots. Two and a half tots. That's less than I would have thought for someone who was championing it to their friends. Uh, so you think it, it, that's, that's pretty much that's right down the middle, right? That's kind of average. Yeah, because like I enjoy watching it. I enjoyed watching it another time. I mean, after many many years, but it's not like a movie that I would pop in and be like. Oh, I love watching this. Like I watch it at least once a year, but I enjoy sure. it. I mean, I, for the nostalgia, I enjoy it. I probably wouldn't say that most movies that I'm fond of, I would want to watch every year. La fond of, but okay. Well, I, some would Don't probably be judging my talk. I'm not judging. I'm just, I'm just talking this out to you. I want to understand your rating system. I don't know. I just, I thought that going halfway was good. Well, I think some would probably say that, this is a comedy that you didn't like the second time you watched it either. <gasps> With my rating? I mean, I, I feel like if you want to tip, I feel like if you want to be positive, you got to give it three. Are you telling me I need to give it three tots? No, I'm simply saying if you want it to be, if you want to say I gave this a positive rating rather than a neutral rating, right? You're giving it a neutral rating. Oh man, I don't like to make decisions. All right, fine. What would you give it? I would give it, Four out of five tots. Oh my goodness. No wonder you're trying to talk me into more tots. Well, I'm not really trying to, again, I'm just trying to understand where you're All right, from. I'll give it three out of five tots. It's very <laughs> quotable. I love, I love quoting. I forget how much uh, it has kind of found its way into our vocab- vocabulary. It's very quotable. I just think it's, I just remember being a person who would defend this movie to other people because mm-hmm. a lot of people just thought it was really dumb. Yeah. And maybe it is, but I feel like it's the kind of dumb that is specific enough and heartfelt enough that I don't really see it as just dumb. I see it as, um, again, an evocation of a particular place and a type of person that, um, you know, somebody really experienced something like this and they put it in a box for you. There you go. It's definitely worth a watch, especially compared to some other movies that it's like, why do you even waste your time watching it like holiday? You know, that's one thing that I've started to notice is that I'm I'm grading on a curve, not for Christmas movies, mm. but just for movies that, for lack of a better term, feel like real movies. Like we just watched Pretty Woman mm. last night. Yeah. And compared to the kind of content mill romances that you see thrown up on Netflix, mm. it's just like, oh, somebody tried to make an actual piece of art with this pop art. Sure. Mm-hmm. But like it, it just, uh, there's a, there's a sense of, of patience and like a movie being made by adults for adults or while you were sleeping. Yeah. While you're sleeping, yeah. had a very similar feel to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, uh, I appreciate yeah, what, what happened to all the, the good movies. Now they're just producing cheap, cheesy 
movies that suck. Well, I hope that once it is, uh, one, you know, once it's, once it's kind of safe to do so, we all start going back to the movie theaters and try to keep them alive because that's going to be, I think a difference in what gets produced and how. Yeah. I mean, maybe with all this time away, people can think of better movies instead of just trying to get as many movies out as possible so they can make lots of money. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to to know just how like Netflix and a lot of these streaming giants finance the movies that they make. Mm-hmm. Like I know people have said all these sorts of different things and you can research it about how like some of those still haven't become profitable. They're working on, you know, like loans or venture capital or something or other. But like, how does a platform like Netflix give Martin Scorsese a hundred million dollar check to make the Irishman when like a studio uh, wouldn't do that? You know, like it's crazy. So with that, there is some hope that as long as, or, you know, David Fincher making Mank for Netflix this year, like you're still getting, or Spike Lee making the five bloods. Like you're still getting auteurs being able to produce movies, even within the noise of every, of all the other content. You know, if you've got people watching that can help pick those things out and, and steer you towards those right now, Steve McQueen is, has made like, what is it? Five or six uh, feature length films that have been released as a collection on Amazon. This, the, the small acts collection, which I'm hoping to get to some of those pretty soon. So there, you know, there's still an ecosystem in which real filmmakers are being able to make real films. Hopefully the medium is going to survive. But again, it's been such an unusual year. And so I think normally when I get to the end of the year, I do a a wrap up of, you know, here's my like top 10, top 15 movies of 2020, for example. And most years I'm pretty on top of things that are coming out. And I usually see 50 or 60 movies from the current year, which is maybe not a lot. If you're, if you're a critic, you might see a couple hundred, but I'm a hobbyist. So I do what I can afford. Um, But like this year, of course, all bets were off and everything was out on streaming services and everything was, you know, in different places. And if you didn't have access to this service, then you couldn't get the movie. And so what we're going to do is not a top um, 2020 countdown in terms of 2020 movies, but we've, we're going to look at back at just any, any movie from any time that we saw for the first time mm-hmm. in 2020. Okay. So these are new, what we would call new to me movies, uh, new discoveries, um, and things that we just, uh, so we both made a list. Mm-hmm. We have not told each other our lists. If we, if we double up, It'll be interesting to see if there is a if there are uh, repeats. There and might if, not be. <laughs> well, there might there might be if there are. Um, I've also got a couple of runners up that I might talk about just to, um, you know, just because you know more movies are better, right? All right, Daniel, what's your number five? Okay, so my number five is Out of Sight. It's from 1998. This is a Steven Soderbergh directed uh, kind of comedy crime thriller. It I was stars, gonna say, is it scary? Oh no, thriller. It's oh, not. I told you, I told you about this, but you, uh, you weren't able to watch it or something. I was gonna ask you to watch it with me, but you had maybe you were watching a show or something. Okay. But it stars George Clooney as a bank robber who falls in love with a U.S. marshal played by Jennifer Lo- uh, Lopez or <laughs> Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> J Law. Yeah, so she was like a, she was a child in 1998. Um, 
No, uh, he falls in love with uh, with Jennifer Lopez, who's a U.S. marshal who catches him as he's escaping from prison. And he and his uh, pal, played by Ving Rhames, basically kidnap her. And then it kind of turns into this fox and, uh, and hound story. So this was a movie that I came to by a movie challenge that I've been running on uh, Facebook with members of uh, flickchart.com. And so this was recommended to me. And uh, something that I've had on my radar for a long time, but never actually got around to watching movie is I was, it's, if you've seen and liked movies like Ocean's 11 and Logan mm-hmm. Lucky from Steven Soderbergh, it's like that. But I think it is uh, a sharper script than those movies. It's based on an Elmore Leonard novel. Um, it's just uh, a lot of fun, uh, really kind of uh, just clever, exciting. And uh, yeah, enjoyed, enjoyed the heck out of that. Nice. I will not give as much description about my movies. <laughs> but here we go. My number five was I Feel Pretty. So I Feel Pretty has Amy Schumer starring. I, I know at least two. I also is. watched this on the plane. Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, I watched this on the plane. We were, where were we going? To Colorado? No. Where was it? Well, surely it was. Wasn't that the only plane ride we took together this year? Was it Colorado? Wait, did we? Wait. I guess it would have to be because if it was 2020. Surely we didn't go anywhere else. I don't think we did. How could we have possibly? I think it was going to Colorado, maybe, because I watched maybe three different movies. I can't remember all of them, but it's about this woman who has some insecurities about how she looks, and she <laughs> she makes a wish or something like that um, that she could look pretty just like the models because she works for like a makeup company or something like that. Um, It's been a little bit since I've seen it. And so (laughs) she believes that she is pretty and it's just about her feeling confident in herself. And obviously it's funny because Amy Schumer and I like it because it's uh, there's some romance in it and it's a comedy, but um, yeah. And I, I mean, I just, I think I really like the message and just how, I mean, because a lot of women struggle with uh, how they look and have insecurities. And I mean, I struggle with this, too. So I really liked how relatable it was. And um, at the end, it was just a good message because she was able to. Oh, wait, should I? I guess I shouldn't give spoilers. I mean, it's unlikely that people wouldn't have kind of figured out the end of the movie by or, just yeah, lo- <laughs> looking at the poster. But oops. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, just it, it was. It was a empowering women movie, but yeah, so I, I really enjoyed it. There were some good laughs. I, I'm pretty sure I had some, some deep laughs and I think we shared, um, how we both watched it and actually you told me you watched it and then I was like, oh wow, if you liked it, then. Yeah, no, I actually did. I, I didn't expect anything from it because Amy Schumer has kind of a bad reputation yeah. as a, <laughs> you know, a comic, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, it's it's a pretty fun movie. It you know the kind of real or magical realism with yeah. the, like it's like a Groundhog Day sort of thing where mm-hmm. they don't really explain how she you know, how this happens, but uh, she does it does. And no, I mean, it, like I said, it definitely has a good message. Uh, I think that people can, and not just for women, even like you can you can watch it and still kind of I think anyone can watch it and get something out of it in terms of like you know your attitude and uh, you know, how it is to kind of ignore those things that you, you know, those doubts that you have about yourself. Yeah. So I know I, I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was pretty good. I think I even teared up 
in part of it. And that's, I was telling you earlier, I thought I saw a correlation about a lot of my movies and I was looking at the list and I realized I probably um, teared up a little bit in probably all the movies that I put down. Maybe not all of them. But anyway, I was just like, so true. That's so good. <laughs> you go, girl. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of a pattern emerging on my list, too. We might not see it until I get to the to the number one. but Okay. Oh, I shouldn't have given it away, my, my tearing up movies. Okay, what's your number four? My number four, and this... Going back a little ways to to uh, remember that we saw this, but my number four is Little Women, oh. 2019 uh, Greta Gerwig's uh, Little Women adaptation. And uh, we- wait, that's my number four too. Is it? We have <laughs> to say number four. My number four. Yeah. All right. High five. High five. Uh, oh wait, no, we got to do a better one. Okay. Nope. Nope. Look at the elbow, crisp. Okay. Okay. Well, we can both talk about this. Uh, oh, good. But- yeah. Yeah, no, I uh, I had actually not. This is, I believe, the first iteration of this story that I have seen or read. I've not. Seen I think. I think me too. The nineties one or read the book. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I have either. So I don't have that going for yeah. me. But uh, this was just a delight. Which was it was probably good that we didn't have that like to compare it to. I don't know. It's just maybe. I I like that it's not like oh it was talked up. Let's compare it. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. But. In this case, Saoirse Ronan plays the lead. Do you remember the Do you remember the main character's name? Uh, what, Joe. like her, her Joe, character name? Joe March. Oh, her character name, or yeah, Joe is Joe. Joe March, right? Joe, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think so. Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I was asking. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so uh, Saoirse Ronan plays Joe, and Isn't there like a kitty in there or something. Laura Dern plays the the girl's mom. Uh, also, Florence Pugh is in it, and I remember how excited I was on to be on the Florence Pugh train last year. I thought she was becoming a real big star, and maybe she was still will. And just again, this feels like a like a you know a a, a gap year, but uh, and then even Emma Watson is in it, oh, and yeah, yeah. I totally forgot even that because she was so overshadowed by a lot yeah. of Timothy Chalamet, yeah. Meryl Streep. What a great cast! Um, but this was such a just like warm, like humane yeah. movie that I felt like it, it's so rare. I feel like to be. Uh, to be moved emotionally by a movie and it's not by like sadness or. Yeah. You know, it, it was just an, Oh, and because like just there by was, people being good to each other. Yeah. And the, just the relationships between the sisters, it was just really sweet and seeing, I mean, didn't, and there's like the one that got sick. Which makes, I yeah. feel like when I say that, it makes it sound incredibly square, but it's not, it's a really, no, it's just it, a really invigorating, entertaining movies with really mm-hmm. great performances. The, and I, I love, well, you know, I love period pieces, like how it's set in the, what what was it set in? I don't know. I'm really it's bad. Right after the Civil War. Yeah. And I just love seeing the dresses that they wear and I just, just all of that is fun to me. And so of course that would be in my top five, but just the colors and um, seeing where they lived and stuff like that. So kind of the, the setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm definitely not a huge fan of Timothy Chalamet, but he, I think he did a good job for what his what his role was. Who is he? I don't remember the actors' names and who they are. Uh, I can't remember the the character name, the one that, that Christian Bale played in the earlier adaptation, but neither of us have seen it. So what, was he the one that liked Joe? Or? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, yeah. He was fun. 
So yeah, there was a little bit, I mean, there was some criticism about the way that the time jumps were handled, like the back and forth, uh, they do it, uh, they do it out of chronology. And then some people got confused about that, which it is a little confusing. Maybe I don't know if that was, if it was the most surely handled, but that's a little bit of a hiccup, uh, in a movie that's just, uh, I, I thought, uh, I thought really great. Yeah. So, and that is available on stars if you want to try to stream it. I'm sure there's we probably should watch a, it again. Sure there's probably a Blu-ray as well. We should watch it again. So good. Yeah, I would watch it again. I love the part when she puts all the papers out on the floor. I just I love seeing the women who are just not like the others and they want to do their own thing. And she was just very headstrong and I love seeing that. All right, great. Well, our our wow. our collective number four, Woo-hoo. little women. What's your number three? Okay. So my number three is all about Eve. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so All About Eve, it, oh, man, I feel like it's been so long since we've seen it. I don't remember any of the actors or actresses' names. So Surely you remember the lead. Betty Davis, because Betty Davis' eyes. Oh, so the re- yeah, the reason why I wanted to watch this was because I was listening to the song on the radio, Betty Davis' eyes, and I was like, what does that even mean? And I don't even think I've seen many movies or any of them with Betty Davis in it. And so we watched All About Eve, um, which is a is a black and white film, which I don't usually lean towards, but I really enjoy them a lot more these days. Um, it's about an actress who is kind of like a has-been, or she's becoming a has-been. And there's this girl who loves her, and she just worships her as an actress. And she basically takes over who Betty Davis is and... It's just, it's so wild seeing the progression of that and then how it seems like towards the, or at the end of the movie, it's like another girl tries to fill her role as that and she becomes like the tired actress, even though she's younger. But I I really enjoyed it. I, I like the drama and seeing the tired actress, uh, like Betty Davis did a really good job portraying that and. Yeah, I, I don't know. I like. Yeah, that. well, I'm I'm glad that you uh, that you really enjoyed that, and I was glad to for us to be able to watch it together because this is one of my favorite movies. Oh, and uh, yeah, so, so this is a uh, uh, 1950 and uh, one Best Picture, I believe, mm-hmm. that year. Also has one of my favorite classic actors, George Sanders, who plays Alastair Dewitt, mm-hmm. and his dry sarcasm throughout the whole thing is very entertaining. Um, there's also a, a small role from Marilyn Monroe. Um, oh, which that's is, right. Yeah. I think mostly just a really, really great script. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the dialogue really crackles. Um, so yeah, this is this is one of the one of the all time great movies in my opinion. It's a great one. It, which is kind of funny that I think m- me picking Little Women is almost more of a you movie. Yeah. And All About Eve is almost more of a me movie. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to set the stars back on course All with right. my number right. three, mm-hmm. which is Point Break from 1991. Oh, really? Okay. Directed by Catherine Bigelow. Go on. And starring Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze, and Gary Busey. <laughs> this is another one that I probably should have seen a long time ago. But again, I actually, I think this one too uh, was recommended to me by uh, a flick charter on my, on my challenge. And as a lot of other movies I... Was watching uh, within you know the previous year. I borrowed this from the Alamo Draft House from Video Vortex. 
<laughs> can't, wait for, can't wait for them to open up again. I hope that if the, they uh, do. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they're showing movies. If you're in Raleigh, Alamo Draft House is open uh, and are showing movies, but I, I don't think the uh, the video vortex uh, is open. But anyway, uh, this is a classic action movie from uh, in which Keanu Reeves plays a uh, detective who goes undercover as a surfer to try to um, expose some kind of gang or whatever the criminal uh, bank robbers, I believe they are like, and Patrick Swayze, um, you know, is one of these guys that he's trying to, trying to root out and find out if he's, you know, one of the, uh, the criminals, but it becomes kind of a, uh, kind of a buddy movie and um, just what a, uh, just, just a super fun, like over the top action movie. Gary Busey gives an electric performance. There's not one, but two skydiving scenes. Oh, that's right. Uh, so I, I just, it's action packed. It's very action packed. Surfing, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, it's a great movie. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> this is, this is more of a Dan movie, but, um, no, I enjoyed it too. I liked it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, have other ones, but I think. Well, I'll keep this. I think maybe once once the whole list is out, then I'll I'll tell you what I think the uh, the the com- or um, connecting factors are and what the what the uh, theme is that's emerging. But hmm, maybe I should maybe I should guess what it is. Well, while you're guessing, uh, what's your number two? My number two is the farewell, which I also oh. watched on the plane going to Colorado yeah. or coming back or whatever. Um, I hadn't seen this movie you saw it without me because i also watched it on the plane but i think Wait, it was the one oh, you did when i went over to to That's the uk in january mm-hmm. yeah wow and yeah and i was i was kind of jealous i was like man i wanted to watch that maybe but obviously i can watch it on my own but i saw that it was playing and i was really excited um because i mean first of all if everyone doesn't know i love old people and I just love that it was about the grandma. And so Aquafina stars in this movie and she it's about her grandma getting cancer. And in the Chinese culture, they believe that they should not tell the elderly if they have a sickness. I think it was because they they would believe it and then they would, you know, get more ill and die. I, I think that's what it was. But anyway, they the whole family <laughs> was basically lying to her, not telling her the truth. And her, her being the grandmother, the grandmother. Yeah. I think her sister was the one that went with her to find out, and she didn't tell her. Anyway, I just thought it was wild that nobody thought to tell her, or not thought, but they were refusing to tell her. And I like that Aquafina was struggling with it, and it was like her living in. America and you know seeing how it would be beneficial to tell her and then the Chinese culture and I just liked that clash and getting to see and understand both sides and it was just a heartfelt movie and of course I cried in it (laughs) Mm -hmm. even though it was it was a good ending and um yeah, it was. I mean, it's, emo- it's emotional. And it was fun. And Aquafina's funny. And she's, um, I, I just, I, I like, I like her acting. Yeah, it was, it was a good one. Yeah, no, it was. Like I said, I also watched it on the plane. And, uh, you know, Lulu Wang, the director, is, I think it's her first feature. And, uh, no, it's, it's, it's pretty assured. I think she's still, 
figuring out some things in terms of just the maybe the the visual style of it. It's mm-hmm. a little it's kind of flat, but in that indie way that you kind of expect. Mm-hmm. Um, Aquafina is really good in it, and the uh, the actress who plays Nene um, was that her friend, her like best no friend? the the grandmother. Oh yeah. She is so cute. What she's else in has Zao. She been? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but that, I, from uh, she's uh, the uh, plays the grandmother, and uh, I think she was she did a really good job she's as well. Super cute. Yeah. I wanted I I wanted her as another grandma. I feel like I I love all the grandmas. Was she in another movie? She looked really familiar. She's only got three credits. It looks like The Farewell was her first film. So wow, good job, Graham. She was a sassy little Graham. I liked her. Oh, yeah, and the whole bit about the um her brother getting married to the girlfriend. They were pretending like everyone was going to China so that they could get married. Yeah. Hilariously awkward. Like I felt so bad for them. It was it was great. <laughs> it was just, I forgot about that part, man. All, All right, right, good pick. Yeah. So, are we on to your number 2? Yeah, my number yep. two. That's what's yours. Again, going way, way back to the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. my number two is 1917. Wow, yeah. From okay. 2019, mm-hmm. from uh, Sam Mendes, which of course was also a uh, um, Best Picture nominee, mm-hmm. Lost to Parasite, starring George McKay, Dean Charles Chapman, uh, Colin Firth, Andrew Scott, Benedict Cumberbatch. And this is, you know, I, I was I was writing this down and I... I I noted that the director was Sam Mendes, but in my mind, uh, in my mind, the director was Roger Deakins because all anyone was talking about was the cinematography by the one shot Roger Deakins because it, yeah, it's set up. The conceit is that it, you know, takes place in, in real time and is done in, in what looks like a single take though. In mm-hmm. fact, it's many takes stitched together, but some people have derided the movie as being a gimmick or have said that, they didn't really find uh, an emotional attachment to it because of the way that, um, you know, it was more about the, the, the technical credits than about the story. But I personally found it to be um, everything I want from this kind of a movie. Mm-hmm. It was everything that I would have liked something like uh, what was Nolan's movie Dunkirk to be. Oh, yeah. But uh, because I thought that it was very involving. I thought the the work by George McKay and Dean Charles Chapman was excellent and that the script, though somewhat minimal, was mm-hmm. uh, was good where it counted. That it had just enough style to, you know, to make it stand out, but not enough that it was, you know, kind of calling attention to itself. And I remember it being really pretty too. Yeah, like extremely just pretty to look at. Yeah, I mean, especially this the bit where uh, he gets knocked out and he wakes up in the city and it's on fire mm-hmm. and everything just lit by the flames. Yeah, like the yeah. And in the beginning. Uh, I, th- I feel like there were the trees that were blossoming. It was really mm-hmm. green and pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That so I thought it really worked in every way. Like it was beautiful to look at. It was, uh, it was emotional. The journey of the characters. Nice and loud. Uh, nice and loud, action packed. <laughs> uh-huh. So I, for me, I thought it was probably, uh, it was probably my favorite movie of last year. Uh, oh, sorry. Now we're, it's the of, 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 of 2019. It was my oh, favorite movie yeah. 20, that came out in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, seeing that in the theater was great. That's the, really the way to see it. But if you have a good home theater system, get the Blu-ray and uh, and run that. Mm-hmm. It's also apparently streaming on Showtime and something called Fubo, which I don't know what that is. I feel like I've heard of it, but yeah. 
So this is not a uh, obviously not one that's really flew under anyone's radar. But if you uh, if you man- meant to see it last year and and you know didn't get around to it, then uh, make the time. It's good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that brings us to our uh, number ones favorite new to me watch of last year. Amanda, what do you got? All right. I put down the impossible. Wow. Okay. Of kind of a new one. Yeah. I really liked it. It was very moving. It, who is it? Naomi Watts. Mm-hmm. And, and Ewan McGregor. Yeah. Ewan McGregor. So this movie is about a family who took a vacation to Thailand in, and this actually, this was based on a, a true story. So in 2004, a tsunami hit in Thailand. I think it was like the day after Christmas or two days after Christmas. Something like that. Yeah. And so, yeah, they went to Thailand and obviously their vacation was completely turned upside down, pun intended. It was just an incredible movie where we got to follow the family getting split up. Uh, The mom and one of the boys, I think there, there were three little boys and then the dad was with the two little boys and they were basically just surviving lots of injuries and um all the devastation and everything but i really i really liked it because i like movies based on true stories as long as they're good and i de- i'm sure i definitely cried watching it <laughs> but i was happy to see the ending it was i mean or at least for the family i think if that if it didn't turn out too well i probably wouldn't have liked (laughs) (laughs) but i like the visuals it it, i like when i can connect with a movie emotionally so that's my that's my theme with all this is if it really makes me feel something and be thankful for what i have and um also makes me not want to go to a tropical place during the holidays but I do want to go to a tropical place right now. So scratch that. Um, but I mean, it was the impossible. It seemed like that wouldn't happen to me. So I'm sure that family was thinking that. But yeah. So. Everyone thinks it won't happen to them. Yup. You know, I think a number of people have told me to watch this at some point. And it's directed by J.A. Bayona, who made a little movie that I really like, a Spanish horror movie called The Orphanage. Mm-hmm. He also more recently got tapped to do, I think the most recent Jurassic Park movie, Fallen Kingdom, oh. as it was, uh, uh, was his, uh, his crew. Um, but yeah, I like, uh, I like Naomi, Naomi Watts a lot. McGregor's pretty good in it. Mm-hmm. There's some, definitely some harrowing stuff, especially in the beginning. It was, there's, there's a lot of action and I mean, action as in the natural disaster, but it, it had me on edge. And so I, I liked the maybe the suspense of some of it where he was trying to find his mom and, and all the, the kind of things that happened, like him finding family members for other people, the small boy. Um, yeah, it was, it was a good one. All right. So what was your number one? All right. Do you, do you have any guesses? Uh, just, just curious. I, I don't, I don't think it's something that you would guess, but I'm just curious if you, if you, uh, if you had a hunch hmm. what I would say. Well, I know that we wrote down a lot of the ones that we watched together, but I don't know if yours is on my list. Is it Horse Girl? Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let me let me have two more guesses. Is it Palm Springs? No. 
Is it Soul? No, but that's that's one of my runners up. Is it Logan Lucky? That's more than two guesses. Man, okay, go on. All right. So my name Merle, my favorite uh new to me watch of 2020 is Clueless from 1995. No, it wasn't. Directed by Amy Heckerling and starring Alicia Silverstone. Are you Silverstone. joking? No. Wow. Go on. Not at all. Uh, and that surprised me too because it had been sitting on that double disc with Mean Girls for a long time and I just never got around to watching it. And I was like, you know, it just kind of looks like, it looks like the kind of thing that a certain type of person really likes and they tell you that it's great, but then you don't watch it because that movie is like Hocus Pocus or something. And it's just mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? It's the kind of thing that you had to be there for it. Mm-hmm. But no, Clues is spectacular. It's incredibly fun. It's incredibly clever. It's satirical and self-aware, but in a really different way than movies are now, like mm-hmm. not quite as cynical. There's this, there's the innocence of the 90s mm-hmm. that comes through in it. And uh, I think one of the, this is where we'll get into maybe what are some of the themes running through my list okay. is, you know, hey, 2020 was a hard year for everybody, mm-hmm. right? And nostalgia. Is that your, you you wish for the days that aren't 2020? Okay. There's something to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, you know, uh, three of these movies are were 90s movies that, mm-hmm. that made my list. But I think also they're just movies that are like really fun mm-hmm. and like really with, with maybe the exception of 1917, um, <laughs> like, like they're kind of light. They're kind of, they're kind of funny. Like they're, they're movies that use their, um, their skill to produce joy as the prevailing emotion. Uh, and, and that surprises me a little bit because I feel like my um, tendency is to go for something a little bit darker. Yeah. I was going to say something that was, yeah. But there's a there's just a uh, an infectious quality to this movie. I, I almost give, maybe give it an extra a little bit of extra boost just for the fact that the mighty mighty Boston show up playing at a at a at a club. Um, <laughs> we've watched a number of kind of like high school movies, which again is not really a genre that I'm big on. Mm-hmm. That ha- you know, in maybe the past year or two, we've watched that have had oh, just Heather's. really strong scripts. Mm-hmm. Heather's is one. Mm-hmm. This is another. Uh, 10 Things I Hate About You uh, yeah. uh, was one. So, but yeah, I, I thought uh, Alicia Silverstone was totally winning in this. Uh, I liked Paul Rudd in it. Mm. Um, the whole thing just really came together for me. And I was shocked that I didn't see it before. And Brittany who knows if Murphy. I would have appreciated it as much. I know, Brittany Murphy. IP. What did you think? Were you, did you oh. like the movie? No, yeah, I, I, I loved Clueless. I was just shocked that that was your number one. Mm-hmm. Not really a Dan movie, is it? No, it's not. So I looked back at this list. That was the big thing that I found. Another uh, another thing that I was a little bit surprised to notice is that three of my five movies are directed by women. Uh. Greta Gerwig, Catherine Bigelow, and uh, Amy Heckerling, who directed Clueless. And I don't know if that means anything, except that it just happened to be the way it shook out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised. I mean, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised that you picked movies that weren't scary or dark or sad <laughs> or weird. Yeah, I had a I had a really weird one as my as my runner up as my number six. What was it? It was going to be Top of the Heap, nineteen seventy two, uh, directed by Christopher St. John. And this is one that I had um, I had come to via the Pure Cinema podcast that I listen to sometimes. Mm-hmm. That they do a lot of um, like cult movies and stuff. Um, but I thought it's it's what would fall into the category of black exploitation, which is exploitation movies made by or about 
uh, black people in mm. like usually in the sixties and seventies, they were doing these. Um, but this one was a guy who was in, who was in shaft and he basically took all of his clout and all of his money from shaft and made this movie that he directed and wrote and starred in. And it's just a crazy, weird, angry, like totally unique screed. It, it's very political. It's that very, sounds like something you'd like. <laughs> and well, I, you know, I, I thought it would be an interesting double feature with Sorry to Bother You. Oh, yeah, that one's wild. Like it's that kind of a movie where it's just really off the rails, mm-hmm. but it's got that kind of just like fiery like grit in mm-hmm. it. Um, it's a little bit hallucinatory. It's just very, very vivid, um, but totally unique vision that uh, I was really glad that I that I um, that I saw. And I get, that's uh, streaming on Amazon Prime if that's your deal. Mm-hmm. So that's my runner up. Well, cool. We watched a lot of movies. Well, I think it's a lot of movies, but you usually watch more than we've watched. It just depends. You know, there's, uh, there's been a lot of weeks we went without seeing anything, mm-hmm. but uh, some TV shows, that sort of thing. Yeah, actually, this was probably a year that you watched more TV shows than you have, right? Because I like watching TV shows. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. I'll probably watch uh, fewer TV shows and more films just given my own viewing uh, schedule what's been your favorite tv show you've watched this year new to me tv show yeah so i didn't make a list so i do this off the cuff oh. <laughs> um when did we start watching the good place was that I, last year i i thought it was this year but i mean 2020 i could be wrong it we, might be we binged it though so i'll so i'll take a risk and say probably the good place that's a good choice Especially seasons two and three. I feel like the middle section of that was pretty strong. You got to love this 20 minute uh, TV shows. I feel like good ones are hard to find these days. I was yeah, just trying I to commit look for to one. a whole lot of hour long dramas. Mm-hmm. You? Oh, man. That... You, you, you've, you've got a lot more to choose from. I was going to say, for me, like, you're the movie buff on the TV shows. Like, I, man, this is. We had to have, like, Amanda's TV corner every once in a while. Goodness. You I could, I could talk to, all day. Up to, up to you know what? TV shows. Oh, no. This is. I was going to say Bridgerton, but that's not 2020. That's that's now. That just came out. Oh, yeah. You actually. That was actually this year. I binged that. So good. You know what? I really enjoyed uh, The Queen's Gambit. Oh, yeah. I think. Mm, was that 2020? Yeah. I think I did watch it then. I can't remember any of the other shows. There's been, there's literally <laughs> been so many. There actually, I'm sure, I don't know if that's, that was my favorite one, but I did enjoy that one. It's definitely worth a watch. I was expecting there to be like some violence and stuff in it, but there wasn't. So that was pleasant because, you know, sometimes my shows get a little dark. Oh, just a little. Just, just a little bit. I'll have to keep track of that for next year and think about what the TV shows will be as a, as an addendum. I, I need to keep track of my TV shows because I've I've watched a lot. All right. Well, that's our recap for last year mm-hmm. in film. And if you uh if you saw any of the movies that we talked about and have opinions, we'd love to know what you thought. Love to know what your favorite first time watches were in 2020. So uh feel free to email us at uh podcast at scenesfromamarriage.com. We'd be, uh, we'd be thrilled to read those and maybe um, maybe even address anything interesting on the show. Mm-hmm. Or if we haven't watched it, we could watch it and review it if it fits. Yeah. Listener recommendation. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. We'd be into that. Hopefully we'll be watching some more movies and get back to it. I would love to see 
I'd love to be more um, on top of what's coming out this year as well mm-hmm. in terms of some new movies. Maybe we could watch some new ones. Is this our 10th episode? This is our 10th episode. Wow. Those are snaps. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us uh, this long. Mm-hmm. And if you have. Um, Sorry again, for the lull. <laughs> thank you. Uh, if you are just tuning in, feel free to leave us a rating and review. We on love reviews. If you would Apple love podcasts, to share some. Could use them and make us look good. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they're bad, in which case they make us look bad. That's then, the point of a review. Yeah. <laughs> so don't leave them if you think it sounds bad. Right. All right. All right. Well, until we watch more movies. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>